Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. They do great work. You can visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Bob Rommel is our state representative. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. And the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnetti, has always got some great things to talk about that's happening here locally. We'll visit with uh, former mayor Bill Barnett as well. It is December the 23rd, and on this day in 1783, following the signing of the Treaty of Paris, General George Washington resigned as Commander-in-Chief of the Continental Army and retired to his home at Mount Vernon, Virginia. He addressed the assembled Congress in this way, happy to be in confirmation of our independence and sovereignty and pleased with the opportunity afforded the United States of becoming a respectable nation. I resign with satisfaction the appointment I accepted with diffidence, a diffidence in my abilities to accomplish so arduous a task, which, however, was superseded by a confidence in the rectitude of our cause, the support of our supreme power of the Union and the patronage of heaven." Washington's willingness to return to civilian life was an essential element in the transformation of the war for independence into a true revolution. During the war, Congress had granted Washington powers equivalent to those of a dictator, and he could have easily taken solitary control of the new nation. Indeed, some political factions wanted Washington to become the new nation's king. His modesty in declining the offer and resigning his military post at the end of the war fortified the Republican foundations of the new nation. Although he asked nothing for himself, Washington did enter a plea on behalf of his officers. While I repeat my obligations to the Army in general, I should do injustice to my own feelings not to acknowledge in this place the particular services and distinguished merits of the gentlemen who have been attached to my person during the war. It was impossible the choice of confidential officers to compose my family should have been more fortunate Permit me, sir, to recommend in particular those who have continued in the service to represent mo to this present moment as worthy of favorable notice and patronage of Congress. The patron of Washington requested seen most pressing as the Army had nearly survived several mutinies and a near-attempted coup at the previous autumn. The veteran officers who had been helped to keep the Army intact desired Western lands and thanks for their service. Their claims would constitute a major issue for the new American government as it attempted to organize the settlement of what had been called the colonial backcountry. <clears throat> Washington concluded, having now finished the work assigned to me, I retire from the great theater of action and bidding an affectionate farewell to the August body under whose orders I have so long acted, I here offer my commission and take any leave of all employments of public life. He, of course, had a short respite. He ended up becoming president of the United States for two terms as the first president in 1788. What a great leader and certainly great decision to leave public life and uh, go back to private life on, at Mount Vernon and then, then be elected our president of the United States. 
So Joe Biden has promised to deliver 500 million free rapid COVID tests to Americans in a speech on Tuesday. The test may not come in time to suppress the enormous spread of the Omicron variant predicted in the coming weeks. Biden's administration is yet to actually sign a contract to buy the tests, and the website to order them will not be up until January, that according to the New York Times. It's not even known how many tests will be immediately available or how quickly they can be shipped out to American homes, all while the most recent estimates of the Omicron spread predict more than 2 million new cases a day throughout January. That's not a plan. It's a hope. Jennifer Nuzzo, an epidemiologist of the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, said, if those tests came in January and February, that could be a, have an impact. But if they're spread out over 10 or 12 months, I'm not sure what kind of impact it's going to have. The U.S. is currently averaging 148,384 new cases daily over the past week, a 23% increase from the two weeks ago. And Omicron cases have increased by 19% day over day to amount to 2,084. Dr. Michael Mina Another epidemiologist and former Harvard professor who previously urged for expanded tests asked for the government to plan, uh, government's plan would likely take two to three months to distribute tests. Had this been started a long time ago, maybe things would be different, said Mina, who recently became the chief science officer at AMED. Uh, to total infections in the U.S. were forecast and are going from about 40% of the U.S. having been inf infected so far to having the next two to three months, 60% of the U.S. getting infected with Omicron. Despite the surge, experts believe the new infections will ultimately lead to fewer deaths and hospitalizations that the deadly Delta variant did, as Omicron is believed to have more infectious but less severe, uh, be a less severe variant. It's good news. I mean, actually, if you think about it, the best thing that could happen is everybody gets it. And because it has the symptoms of a cold or less, unless you have really severe comorbidities, uh, you'll end up uh, being having immunity, developing immunity in, in your own system. The U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday agreed to take up disputes over Biden's administration's nationwide vaccine or testing COVID mandate for large businesses and separate uh, vaccine requirements for health care workers. The brief uh, court order said the court will hear oral arguments on January the 7th in the two cases. The court delayed a decision on whether to allow the two policies to go into effect nationwide. There are two separate cases asking for such a stay. The Supreme Court co consolidated the applications of those cases, both of which will be heard on January the 7th. So that's good news. Hopefully the Supreme Court will use good judgment with regard to these lawless, unconstitutional mandates, in my opinion. And uh, just a precedent for that, a federal judge in Missouri issued a preliminary injunction on Monday blocking the Biden-imposed COVID-19 vaccine mandate for federal contractors in 10 states. U.S. Magistrate Judge David Noyce uh, said that the mandate extended beyond the president's authority to set workplace rules. Boy, that's the case. An additional halt was also placed on the mandate by a federal judge in Georgia on December the 7th. The vaccine mandates would reach beyond the workplace and into the realm of public health. The court concluded that the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the issue of whether the mandate exceeds the scope of the power granted to the president under federal law, wrote Noose. In September, President Biden issued an executive order that included the vaccine mandate for federal contractors as well as health care workers and private companies. Each degree of mandate is being challenged in the court. 
The most recent injunction applies to Alaska, Arkansas, Iowa, Missouri, Montana, New Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming. Last week, a three-judge panel of the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, which encompasses these uh, states, reversed a prior injunction against employer vaccine mandate. So uh, what's going to the Supreme Court is really a big deal. And by the way, <clears throat> uh, six blue states account for the majority of the country's increase in COVID-19 hospitalizations, according to an analysis. Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, New York, and Illinois make up 35% of the population among states with increasing COVID-19 hospitalizations and 60% of the added hospital beds. So 35% of the hospital and 5% of the population accounting for 60% of the beds. And, of course, those are in blue states. The increase began in November when the U.S. was averaging 45,000 hospitalizations a day. Since it's gone up to 58,000 per day, Michigan has the highest share of new hospitalizations, up 70% since November the 10th. Uh, and indeed, unvaccinated individuals make up 87% of COVID patients in the intensive care in Michigan. In Ohio, which boasts the second highest share of new hospitalizations, health officials warned last week that the state is approaching the record admissions seen in January, where there are about 4,000 patients in hospitals uh, statewide. <clears throat> New York is the fifth largest share of new hospitalizations, and the governor, Kathy, unelected Kathy Hochul, announced that the hospitalizations with less than 10% capacity must stop performing elective surgeries until mid-January. So, in other words, she's imposing unintended consequences on the, on the, on the public as a result of this mild uh, Omicron uh, variant. While well, studying the effectiveness of masses reducing COVID is facing new challenges after researcher highlighted the minimal effect and infection differences between treatment and control groups among 600 villages in Bangladesh. This is a pretty big study reported by Just the News. The study originally accused of design flaws and overstating its design flaws upon its release in August showed that new data of only 20 more COVID cases in villages that didn't wear masks. In a total population of 342,126 adults, 1,106 people in the control group tested positive compared to 1,086 in the treatment group. If you can imagine that, I've had a hard time going from these numbers to be the assured conclusions that masks work. Of course, half the group didn't wear masks, half did, and only 20, only 20 additional people ended up getting COVID. Uh, that is a, just an insignificant number. I think this is pretty good proof that masks don't work. And nevertheless, right now we have states, blue states especially, who are imposing mask mandates. Uh, again, just... Uh, the addiction to power is just unbelievable among these people. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob 
Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy their great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain health care if they have a need? We are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit CallYourSeniorResources.org. That's CallYourSeniorResources.org or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check it out. You can find out more and download the app from the choicesocial.us website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with our state representative, Bob Rommel. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of a terrific organization doing great things for public education in Florida. It's the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob, and Merry Christmas to you and your listeners. Uh, Merry Christmas to you as well, Keith. So uh, right now you've had a great year, I think a great decade, quite frankly, in the things that you've accomplished in terms of improving the quality of education. Among them, for example, really providing, being a key force in overturning Common Core. What are some of your new projects now? Uh, We're kicking off in January a statewide uh, major project to, uh, to really help uh, parents across and and grandparents, but uh, community members across the state to understand what's going on in our schools relative to critical race theory, uh, the pornography and age inappropriate materials, and the transgender LGBTQ. But um, we've got eight counties so far that have signed up to this, and I really think we'll do uh, a number more than that. 
Um, but the, the problem we have, I think, is um, some parents and grandparents uh, realize what's going on on these three subjects, but many of them don't. Uh, and if they if they don't understand what's going on, then they can't, you know, they're not prepared to deal with it. So. Right. Well, I'm going to I suggest it's also taxpayers. I mean, we're the, the highest amount of money that we pay in Cuyahoga County for taxes is for education over a billion dollars a year. And yet many people are indifferent to uh, the issues that are prevailing right now. And even though I think we're making great progress here in Florida because of the work of our governor, because of your work in the, in the legislature, we still have these issues. And uh, maybe you could just help us understand, for example, the, the issue around critical race theory. Most of us think, hey, that's all gone away now. We've handled that. Has it? No, absolutely not. In fact, let me just focus uh, all three of these in Collier County. Uh, back in June, uh, Florida Citizens Alliance led an effort to try to challenge the English language arts textbooks uh, that Collier was adopting. Uh, $3 million, and then now they're in, uh, uh, those for K through 5. <clears throat> now they're adopting grades 6 through 12. Uh, they adopted books from Houghton Mifflin that were full, uh, that subtle in the textbooks, but the teacher's manuals that went with those textbooks was not subtle. It was very evident. Uh, right after that uh, challenge, we forced a hearing. Right after that, we did a public records request and found out that uh, Superintendent Patton had bought 400 books called Unconscious Bias in Schools, uh, which the very premise of the book is that if you're white, you're you're, you're um, racist. And then she proceeded to have 10 training sessions, ah. 10 training sessions for all of administrators and principals on, uh, you know, dealing with this in the classroom. So, I mean, that's an example of number one, where the, the school board and Patton actually lied to us, but two, demonstrating that critical race theory is alive and well in Collier County. So that's one example. Um, switching to the pornography, I think you're aware that we updated our pornography report that we'd done two years ago with an additional 50, or with a total of 58 novels. Uh, Collier County has 66% of those novels that are either pornography or age inappropriate. And we've just done another public records request last week for an additional 113. Uh, this isn't a game of whack-a-mole. We've got to get the school district and this, the 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 the, the uh, school board members to stand up and prevent these materials from coming in, not, you know, treat them as exceptions after the fact. Yeah. Uh, and then and then uh, just quickly, we got an example about a month ago of the transgender movement. We're in English language here in Collier County, uh, Gulf Coast High School. A tenth grade teacher in English uh, English class uh, was supposed to be teaching a lesson on the Holocaust. And instead, decided to use that time to teach the genderbred, not gingerbread, but genderbred concept of transgenderism. So, I mean, this all three of these concepts are alive or well in Collier County and, frankly, across the state. And uh, we think it's important that parents understand what's going on so they can take action and, and actually support the governor. You know, he's got this great uh, new uh, um, legislative item called Stop Woke Act. Uh, we need to providing the legislators examples of that so that they have the courage to act. 
You know, just with regard to pornography, I mean, it's easy to slough this off, but apparently there's just uh, reading materials, suggested reading materials for students. Uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, people who wanted to stand up in the school board meeting wanted to read part of the novel, and the attorney for the school board did not allow him to proceed because of the vulgarity of the material. So, I mean, it's, it's ironic that... You, you could actually have kids being able to read the stuff, but you're not able to read it in the school board meeting. No, that's exactly right. And, and fr fr frankly, one of the tactics uh, that we plan to kick off across the state is to, to get parents and grandparents to come forward and do just what you just described and force the issue. Um, you know, these school districts, you know, and, and this may shock some of your listeners, but uh, what's going on in all three of these areas but particularly critical race theory is just, uh, you know, cultural Marxism. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if we don't start labeling it for what it is, uh, you know, we're allowing uh, the, uh, the unions and these left-wing school board members to take over uh, – you know, the future of our, our children. So, so I've, I know our listeners want to delve in and find out more about this. So what's the strategy? How, how can we uh, get involved? What can we do? Well, you can go to our website, and particularly if you're here in Collier in Lee County. Those are two of the eight that have committed to do this uh, project, six-month project. And uh, just info at uh, goflca.com and send us uh, an email that you want to get involved and we'll reach out to you. Um, but what we really need parents and, and, and grandparents to do is to be paying super close attention uh, to what their kids are doing, uh, what they're reading, what they're bringing home, the lessons that they're being for forced and coerced into doing that are, uh, you know, just, you know, violating Florida law in multiple ways. Again, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, terrific organization. I encourage you uh, to support the Florida Citizens Alliance because they really have worked hard with the legislature and the governor and the Commission of Education to improve education here, public education here in Florida, and educational choice, school choice, so important for parents as well. GoFLCA.com is the website. GoFLCA.com. I hope you check it out. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here in the show, and Merry Christmas to you and yours. Uh, Merry Christmas. If I could real quickly put in a plug for our big event in March. Sure. Uh, we're do um, we've got Dennis Prager and Charlie Kirk, and now we've added uh, Seth Dillon from uh, Babylon B uh, to the agenda. And, and you can buy tickets. Uh, we urge you to do so before they, the prices go up. Um, but you can actually buy a Christmas present for your spouse or loved one. So. Um, take advantage of that. Uh, big deal. Again, go for flca.com. Keith, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Again, Merry Christmas, Bob. Thank you. You as well, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bob Rommel. He is our state representative. Uh, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
Provence restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshire Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performance Arts Center and about the season's exciting productions, visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a 44,000-square-foot beautiful performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state representative, Bob Rommel. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. And I thought you were describing some of those big homes that are being built on Gulf Shore Boulevard. But, uh, that's yeah. a <laughs> it is amazing, isn't it? Sometimes you drive by and you say, where's the clubhouse? These all look like clubhouses. <laughs> you know, um, Naples has always had, you know, a whole mix of, uh, you know, residents, wealthy and, you know, normal and you know, some that are poor, too. But because of the way the state is run and the freedom that we have, we're attracting uh, the super wealthy here now. I mean, jets are kind of as common as the mosquito out there now. Yeah, it's so true. So, Bob, I mean, we're seeing this the, the now introduction uh, of the uh, pandemic of fear over Omicron. Apparently it's uh, more contagious, but not as virulent as uh, other strains of the virus. And yet we're seeing other parts of the country just absolutely locked down mask mandates uh, for everyone. You have to have uh, vaccine passports. What are your thoughts? Uh, the tyranny of government uh, continues in those northern states, especially um, viruses we know now, and we've known for a while, viruses cannot be controlled, and there's multiple variants. 
um, and I'm not even sure the testing is accurate. I mean, there's there's reports of testing between 20 and 40 percent, either false negative and false positive. And again, I'm not even sure why anybody's being tested anymore. We have vaccines and we have uh, multiple, you know, treatments for those that get sick. And if you feel sick, you go get treatment now. And again, not to take it lightly, but you know, it, it's still a disease or a virus that affects mostly older people that have pre, you know, pre-existing conditions or greatly obese people. And yet, you know, especially in New York, you're saying they're just destroying uh, again, once again, you know, small businesses, you know, whether you're in a restaurant business, the theater business, uh, just destroying it. And it's just terrifying people. Um, so I, I'm not sure what their end game is, but, uh, it's 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 awful that's happening in the United States. It truly is, Bob. And then we're going into a new legislative session. I guess uh, what is your session starting the first week of January? Uh, it starts January 11th. January 11th. So it's been a great year. And any comments you'd like to make on uh, just retrospect at what the year has been like, and but uh, anything that you're looking forward to as well. You know, this year between, uh, again, we still didn't, we weren't sure uh, how the economy was going to be in Florida with uh, the constant, uh, you know, coronavirus and different variant strains. But uh, the good thing is uh, it looks like that we're actually going to have a surplus again this year. So we're going to be able to pay down some additional debt, put some more money away for a rainy day. Um, you know, fund, uh, continually fund water projects, education, healthcare, and all that. And it was, we also have uh, redistricting that we're doing right now. Uh, you know, every 10 years when the census come out, we do redistricting. And everybody always, get, always gets a little bit nervous because, you know, the boundary lines for whether you're in the Florida House, U.S. Congress, or even local county commission races, uh, they do change, you know, based on population growth. And uh, so that's going to be the main focus there. Uh, you know, I have a couple minor bills this year, but uh, nothing, you know, nothing too major. We got a lot accomplished last year. And again, being in a state that's open for business, schools open for uh, children, churches are open, um, travel is open. Uh, our economy, actually, travel-wise, is the best year ever by 30%. So uh, people can travel. Yeah, people can travel safely. People can go to the restaurants and go to the theme parks. They can do it safely, and we still have 1,100 people a day moving into the state. And some people don't like that, but that's you know sometimes you get that with success. Yeah, I, I saw. Uh, I went down to Fifth Avenue South. Boy, the place is just raging with activity. It's just unbelievable. I saw uh, a letter to the editor of the Naples Daily News of a guy complaining that nobody's wearing masks, and he's had it in Florida in uh, Naples. He's not going to go back to Fifth. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, you know what? That's a personal choice. Just stay home. I mean, my goodness. Uh, I just read a, a thing this morning that uh, masks, there's a study in Bangladesh that showed that masks aren't providing any kind of difference or protection whatsoever. But uh, for some reason, some people want not only them, that for themselves, but also for everybody else. You know, again, I don't know why the federal government is pushing masks. Even the CDC a year ago, March of 2020, or maybe it was March of 2021, they had a report for that time period that masks reduced your chance of catching uh, a virus by about less than one percent. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, airborne masks do not prevent airborne uh, disease. They do stop, you know, uh, you know, 
other projectiles and things like that, but they do not stop uh, airborne viruses. Uh, you know, they do stop some bacteria from going forward. But uh, I, I guess, you know, somebody's heavily invested in mass companies that are made in China. You know, I, I'm pretty much of the mind at this point, just taking a look at all the evidence. And believe me, I'm no trained scientist, nor am I a medical doctor. But it looks like uh, these viruses, they're going to pretty much have their own way about things. And uh, what we can do is take care of our own Im- immune system. Do take care, of course, obviously in, in groups and so forth, not to, uh, you know, protect yourself from, from illness. But irrespective, live your life. My goodness. Uh, we're destroying the and think about all the unintended consequences of uh, people that aren't getting cancer treatments or heart uh, treatments, whatever it might be. It's uh, it's really a shame. You know, there's other things too. Uh, you know, people depression is uh, drug use and drug abuse. Uh, I know that um, you, we all know that David Lawrence Center here in Naples does a lot of drug drug treatment and mental illness treatment, but. Drug deaths in America from overdose uh, is up to 100,000 people. Two years ago, we were down to about 40,000 people. It's more than doubled than in the past two years. And, uh, you know, one of the unintended consequences of locking people down and taking away their liberties. Yeah, Uh, really incredible indeed. So, you know, the budget right now, it looks like the the governor is making some recommendations on new expenditures going into the new year. You mentioned that we had a good year financially. How much of that is dependent upon the money that we receive from the federal government from these uh, coronavirus payments? And how much of it is from tax revenue? In other words, are we sound going forward? Can we depend on tax revenues to carry us? You, you know, um, I would say zero of the money is from the federal government. Uh, that Those monies were earmarked uh, for, for specific things. Uh, the money that we have in the budget is all based on tax revenue, and most of that tax revenue is from, you know, folks that are coming into the state and traveling. I mean, tax revenue in, you know, in our hotels and restaurants is up dramatically. Um, people, when they buy a home, you have documentation stamp fees. That is up dramatically. Again, we know we have no income tax here for individuals, and we have a you know pretty low income tax for businesses. So it's it's based on people spending their hard earned money the way they want. And uh, you know our budget, you know, last year was about a hundred million dollars to propose budget from the governor. This year it's just a, bit, a little bit under that. You know, we spent a little bit extra money last year with some of those federal dollars to protect our citizens. So I mean, again, our state's growing. Uh, we're doing it wisely. We're thinking about the future, and uh, you know, maybe that's why everybody's coming again. Our budgets—I just said about a hundred billion in New York, which is less people by ten percent. Their budget's about two hundred and fifteen billion dollars per year, and all that money, where it comes from. They're citizens that live there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just incredible. I'm pretty proud of the fact that we live in a state where that has the smallest number of public employees, Florida public employees, per 100,000 uh, residents in the nation. So, in other words, we, we have done a good job of managing our, our uh, uh, number of employees pretty well, and I think uh, that's a real credit to the governor as well as to you, Bob, and other legislators in Tallahassee. You know, just the opposite of what we're watching in Washington as they Washington is, you know, trying to force the nation to be shut down. They want to hire 80,000 additional IRS agents to yeah. spy on us. <laughs> Unbelievable. Bob Rommel, again, uh, believes in small government, doing a great job in Tallahassee. Bob, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, and I hope you and your family have a wonderful Merry Christmas. 
You too, Bob. Merry Christmas to you, your family, and all your listeners, and God bless everybody. God bless you as well, Bob. Thank you. All right, coming up, Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Um, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's not happening very much. Yeah, well, we're trying. <laughs> it's, it's taking a monumental uh, – the tide is going out right now. We need to get uh, new leadership in place. Seton, you wrote a great column. Now, when even the WTO is brighter than our domestic American last proponents, it's really interesting. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, there was an interesting ruling at the World Trade Organization – once again, the reverberations of Trump uh, keep reverberating after he's been, uh, let's just say, no longer president. Um, I still won't say lost. Uh, <laughs> right. But anyway, um, 
he he saw, he put up pressure on the World Trade Organization to reform. And one of the reforms he said was, you guys haven't modernized your enforcement mechanisms and your enforcement policies to what's screwing up trade today. Yep. It's not what it was when you guys formed yourselves. And one of the things he pointed to was subsidies, was domestic subsidies and the, thus exported subsidies in various countries around the world from governments pouring money into industries. And then when they when those industries manufactured products and put them on the global market, it screwed up the global market because they could charge a below an artificially below market price, and that undercut producers in countries that weren't getting subsidized. Now that's a big that's a, that's a big that's a big deal, Sutton, because it actually puts businesses, it puts uh, industries out of business. I mean, it's, it's, it's not another draw to move out of the country. Yeah. If we're going to tax and regulate and not subsidize our businesses, and I'm not calling for subsidies for our businesses, don't misunderstand, but I'm talking about from a mathematical standpoint. Right. We're going to tax, we're going to regulate, we're going to have minimum wages and all these things, and then the business looks around the world and sees China and India and Brazil mass subsidizing their producers – well, they're going to move there. They're not going to stay here, and that cost us millions of jobs over the last 50 years. So Trump wanted the WTO, the World Trade Organization, to begin looking at these subsidies as a violation of international true, fair, free trade. Well, they just ruled against India. India subsidizes the heck out of their sugar, and it, uh, the World Trade Organization found them in violation for the last – I think for a six-year span uh -huh. uh, of, of subsidizing and thus violating international norms on trade. And, of course, India's appealing because that's what everybody does. But that's a big move. Now, in the, in the teeth of this article of that I, or, or this story that, 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 the, that India was found guilty of, of undercutting American producers with their subsidies, in the teeth of – what is now, what, an eight-month, nine-month supply chain shortage that has revealed us to be woefully over-dependent on stuff made somewhere else besides here. Right. This moron, I can't remember his name, I don't want to bother to remember his name, wrote an article complaining specifically about our domestic farm subsidies. Our farm program, excuse me, I, I need to re re retract that because there are no subsidies in our farm program. Um, it's just baseline um, price protections and stuff like that. Again, in place to offset our being flooded by internationally subsidized crops. And I'm like, do you not how – do you, how do you witness a nine-month global supply chain shortage – that shows we don't make anything anymore. Yep. How do you see what's going on at the – even the WTO says these subsidies are screwing up trade. And, and, and the supply chain shortage says to any average American, we, gee, perhaps creating the rust belt and moving millions of jobs overseas wasn't a good idea. And then, say, and then find time in your day to – attack a, a minuscule program 
meant as a tiny offset to these giant subsidies that are overrunning every manufacturer that still is here in the United States. Yeah. And remember, just keep in mind, think of farmers and ranchers, food producers, as food manufacturers, because that's basically what they're doing. They're manufacturing food right. here in the United States. And they're being overrun by subsidized crops and, 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 and beef and, and pork and everything from overseas. And we're trying to keep them alive because we'd like to have some domestic food, if at all possible. Although, again, supply chain shortage. Yeah. And this guy finds time in his day to attack the, 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 this li tiny little minuscule program with zero subsidies when India is just found to be subsidizing billions of dollars <laughs> worth of sugar alone, let alone what else they're doing. And as I say in the piece, the U.S. has previously accused India of subsidizing a whole array of products and industries, um, steel, from everywhere from steel. I mean, it, the entire, it runs the gambit. Yep. India runs on domestic subsidies that, that poison the global market. And in the midst of all this, this moron writes this article. Yeah, well, it's it's a real shame because it's not just a, a matter of supply and inconvenience to Americans, but it's also a national security issue. I mean, if, if we're not growing our own food, if we can't uh, mine our own uh, rare earth minerals, if we can't uh, create our own semiconductors, uh, we're in real trouble. I mean, again, we've seen it for, since Biden's supply chain shortage stopped. The economy comes to a halt because... We are too overly dependent on overseas goods and services. And, and one, that's bad from a jobs perspective here in the United States. And like you said, it's a national security imperative. Because if we can't, you know, the first thing we learned when China's uh, virus hit the world was that 90 plus percent of our drugs, prescription drugs and vitamins are made in China. Yeah. Well, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. That's a spectacular idea. Um, you know, and, and so... We've just been cutting ourselves, our own throats for half a century. Trump starts the process of saying, hey, we, we've, got to, we've got to reverse all of this and re-domesticate everything. And then we see all of this with Biden's supply chain shortage and the, the global shutdown. And the WTO starting to finally say, hey, you know, perhaps – we should look at subsidies as a as a real d disruptor of fair trade globally, and then this moron writes this article. Yeah, we well, <laughs> you know, uh, the other thing is that uh, uh, it's not just simply a matter of uh, somebody seeing an opportunity and starting to, for example, produce sugar. There are regulations in the United States that interfere with their barriers to entry uh, because yeah. of how because of the laws that we have on the books. We need to start thinking seriously about uh, the impact of some of these the unintended consequences well, and, I'm not, and i'm not i'm not just criticizing the 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 the, the lack of subsidies I'm, as i said i'm not for subsidies it's also a problem of as you said we tax too much we regulate too much yep and that's an impediment to domestic production just as subsidies being flooding our, our shores from overseas is an impediment to domestic production. Yeah. Seton Motley, the founder and publisher of uh, Less Government, and you can visit the website lessgovernment.org, and also visit Less Government on Facebook. It's a great name of an organization. It kind of not only spells out the name, but also the mission of the organization. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show, and I wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us. Merry Christmas. 
this sort of balding thing. I would just call it more hair. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank, thank you very much. Have a Merry Christmas. You too. Thank you, Seton. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, uh, it's a pleasure on this brisk, brisk Thursday. I will say that to you, and it sounds, sounds and feels so good. Well, I, um, it, it's it's a little cold to even go outside, right? Now. <laughs> well, I am outside, so uh, I have a, had an early appointment this morning. It's fifty-eight degrees. Wow. So that's you know, um, it feels good though. It feels good to be able to put a, put a sweater on and. Uh, um, you know, look at how crisp and, and, and nice everything looks today. Absolutely. So, you're ready for, uh, for Christmas? Uh, you know what? Uh, as ready as we can get, in order to know if I'm ready for Christmas, I have to ask Linda, are we ready for Christmas? <laughs> but I, I right, think so. Right. Uh, yeah, well, that, you know, that, that's a good thing. Are you guys going out? 
uh, we're not going out. We're actually staying right here, having a virtual Christmas with our loved ones. We'll end up making phone calls and face call calls to uh, to family and friends. Uh, but other than right. that, we're just staying right at home. Linda's making one of our favorite meals, and uh, we'll enjoy that at home. How about oh, that's you? Great. Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, we're just going over to my daughter's uh, on Christmas for Christmas Eve because that's when pretty much we we celebrate that. And uh, Christmas Day, we're uh, we are invited um, to one of the clubs with uh, some friends of ours, and uh, that'll be for like a brunch kind of thing. And uh, then we'll just watch football for the rest of the day. Sounds <laughs> sounds perfect. So, uh, Bill, any good scoop going on in the city? Well, it, 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 they're on break now until January 19th, and uh, uh, according to Mayor Heitman, uh, uh, she's going to be in charge And uh, because she said she's not going anywhere. Well, I've heard that story before also, Yeah. but uh, who knows what will happen down there uh, while the rest of council is out on break. <laughs> but but uh, we can only keep our fingers crossed that everything will, be, will remain quiet. You know, Naples is— people in yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that uh, Naples is so busy right now. We were down at uh, Blue Provence last night. Not a table to be had. The place is absolutely slammed with business. Just great to see how vibrant and alive uh, downtown Naples is right now. Well, I think it's all of Naples. Uh, I mean, you're 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 right. Uh, I um I was down there early. Well, I say late afternoon yesterday, and um. I wanted to go. Have you ever been into Regina's, the little ice cream store, um, right on the corner of Fifth and Eighth? Um, they've been there for oh my gosh, thirty years right. at least. And uh, they have a flavor called Pralines and Cream. It's like Port Royal Pralines and Cream, and it is the best. And I'm trying to figure out since I'm running errands down there yesterday, how can I get in there? Where can I find a parking spot? Because the garage was pretty full already at like 4:30. And um, so I'm looking, looking, looking. Finally, I, I see a spot. I grab the spot and uh, walk over there, get my ice cream and, and head out. But Fifth Avenue South was busy. It was early, but I mean, people were already uh, heading to restaurants and walking up and down. And it's, it's just nice to see. It is know? great to see. And how about the traffic? I mean, you'd see uh, <laughs> it's starting pretty yeah. early. Well, yeah, it, it did. And, it, and it's... Um, it's funny because, you know what, Bob, after all these years, I'm really used to it. You know, and I hear people all the time, you know, they, they will say to us, uh, us old timers, they'll say, oh, my God, how, how do you how do you deal with this? Uh, how do you deal with this traffic and whatever? And, you know, you've been here as long as we have. You get used to it, you know, so it's an extra 10 or 15 minutes or so you're stuck in a line for a little bit. I mean, it's like. Uh, I always tell people it's not the Long Island Expressway or the L.A. Freeway. You know, be thankful. <laughs> or it's not the uh, the Beltway in Washington D.C. I can recall just sitting there for 40 oh, minutes, yeah. hard, hardly even moving. So it's really it's of course you can take the back way for the most part uh, during the season here in in Naples, but it's just a minor inconvenience compared to other parts of the country. Oh yeah, oh oh, absolutely for sure. But yet they um, they managed to. Uh, make a lot of noise about it and how can this be and what's happening to our city and our county and whatever. Well, people are moving here. We know that for a fact. I mean, you can see on uh, home sales, I mean, as soon as something goes on the market, there's four people that are bidding on it. 
It's so true, Bill. I mean, even if you thought about selling something, where would you move? If you, you know, what? Well, it would have to be out of, uh, I, th- I think it would have to be out of Florida or somewhere up in rural, you know, and even they're growing, I guess, um, Florida. But uh, I don't know a lot of people who want to move out of here. That's the thing. They want to move here, but they don't want to move out of here. So, uh, uh, and I guess that's a good thing. You know what I mean? It is a good thing. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm reminded of something, Bill, uh, and uh, you do or have a, a granddaughter uh, who was terrific in ballet, was hired by the... Right. Uh, right. I, I mean, I just wonder if there's any update. She's such a talented young woman. She ended up uh, well, doing ballet for the Boston Ballet. Ballet. Well, what she did was last year, she decided that she wanted to go to college and so she went to them and she said, I, I want to go to college um, and I think I'm, I'm going to leave. Um, and they were really upset, but they were very supportive of her. And so she's at Indiana University. She's a junior this year and she was taking dance because the, the Indiana and um, uh, USC are the two best dance colleges in the in the country. And um, so she got accepted in, into Indiana, and she absolutely loves it because she wanted a degree, and she can always go back. I mean, she's young, so she can graduate college. She can major in dance. She can do, but she's she's also majoring in business, so it's it's good. But um, so she's doing great. But she loved her ballet years. Yeah. Um, but you know, moved on a little bit, and I don't. I'm I'm happy for her. She knew what she wanted to do, and I think that's great. Because you know they burn out fast. Well, they do, and uh, you know the opportunities for people in ballet are just so minimal compared to other types of uh, professions. But uh, that n- not only do you have to be the very best at what you do, but also, I mean, if you get injured or you get hurt or you start to right. age, uh, there's no opportunity. Right. Exactly. And then when you throw in the uh, the uh, pandemic and everything else, and look what that did to all their shows and everything. So. I think she made the right move at the right time, and as I said, she's absolutely loving it, and it's a good school, so um, no no, uh, no regrets there. But thank you for asking about it. Uh, absolutely. Well, Bill, I just want you to know that you and Chris are just very special people. I think you've just done so much for the city of Naples and for, as a public servant. Just really appreciate your friendship and the things that you've done in order to enhance the lives of other people here on the Paradise Coast. So, well. I thank you, Bob, and and you as well for being on the air for so many years and your connections and the interesting guests that you have on. uh, uh, You definitely offer something that Naples doesn't have, so um, you will keep that up, and you and I will be on for another 10 years. Absolutely. Thank you so much. (laughs) Merry Christmas to you, Bill. You too, Bob. Take care, and Linda, too. Thank you so much, and to Chris. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including... William Yateman, he's a uh, research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll get an update on what's happening on Capitol Hill. Michael Cannon is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Kurt Anderson is the pastor at the uh, Naples Community Church. Look forward to visit with Kurt a little bit about the Christmas message, and uh, we'll have another special guest as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks. 
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.